JC, you walk into school on an average Monday. You attend New Haven Preparatory School. It's one of the best prep schools in New England. Your classmates are in the hallways talking to one another and getting ready for the day. What do you do? Uh, probably just do the same. I don't really talk to a whole lot of people, uh, not nearly this early in the morning. Um, so you do that, not really talking to anyone. Um, and you sit down in your homeroom and right before the bell is about to ring, you see the school guidance counselor come in. Jeremy, will you come to my office with me? Like right now? Yeah, right now. Do I need to leave my stuff here or take it with me? Why don't you take it with you? This may be a while. Fine. All the kids are like, ooh, Jeremy's in trouble. Oh, yeah, yeah, all the kids are, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and just grabbing his stuff. And just a very heavy sigh. Walk out the room. Yeah. You begrudgingly follow him to his office. It looks like a typical guidance counselor's office. There's degrees on the walls. Uh, there's a comfortable chair across from his desk. Um, weirdly enough, there is, like, a toddler, though, like, playing off to the side in the room. He's just playing with some bro uh, some, uh, some blocks, and he looks at you and smiles. And, uh, he sits down at a desk, and he opens a file that I'm sure you can assume is yours, and he says, Are you happy here, Jeremy? At, like, the school, or? At the school, at home. I suppose we're just a, a little bit concerned about some things with you. Uh, I would say that I'm doing just fine. Some some things happen at home that occasionally irritate me. That's about as far as it goes, but I wouldn't go as far to say as that I'm unhappy. What sort of things are happening at home? Well, I can't say I'm the fondest of my, uh, my new stepfather, but we're bridging that gap as most relationships with... I suppose intended father figures probably go. I see, um, I see. Listen, I know that you've experienced some losses in your life. It's terribly tragic for someone as young as you to have experienced this many losses. Are you dealing with it well? L do you at least have someone that you feel comfortable talking to? Talking to them specifically about the losses I've faced, or speaking general, like, very generically? Just about the things that you're feeling. You know, therapy isn't as frowned upon as it once was. I know that your new stepfather is a therapist himself. Maybe that would be helpful in your development. I'm pretty sure that'd be a conflict of interest, would it not? It wouldn't be official, of course, but I'm sure he has plenty of tools that you could use at home to adjust to these sort of things. I suppose I can ask about it at some point in time today. When, so in your backstory, you had talked about the guidance counselor. When abouts in your schooling did uh, you first catch the interest of the administration of the school? And this is me asking as the chronicler, not the character. Uh, probably in his like first year at this school, uh, having just uh, transitioned and uh, not really having many friends, if any, at that point in time. Uh, probably just, like, stuck out uh, and had a few rough run-ins with probably some of, like, the older kids that very quickly either came to a stop or uh, just some things came out about the person who was bullying him that, like, nobody expected, and then they just stopped leaving him alone? Or they started leaving him alone. So pro probably around first year after, like, a particularly rough, uh, like, probably not, pr maybe not physical altercations, but, like, very verbal ones. Yeah, some, like, pretty heavy bullying. Okay. Um, what year is he in now? I know that he's 16, but what year is, is that for him? Uh, probably, probably, like, this is probably early, uh, third year for him then. Junior year, you said? Okay. Yeah, so it's 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 about the fall of your junior year. I don't know if we specified the season in the last episode. It's it's whatever time that was of, of your junior yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you've had some trouble with bullying your first year here. Is has that come up again? Not particularly. I, I think people have just understood that uh I mostly don't give them the 
uh, reaction they want and that keeping to myself uh, is generally how I do things. I suppose I'm not a prime target that people would want me to be. Should take a lozenge, it might help that cough. Did you just tell me to take a lozenge? (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) Ignoring that. You know, at your age, friends are really important. Obviously, we just discussed a few issues with your family, but do you have any friends, Jeremy? I I have a few. They don't... I know that saying it like this is going to sound like I'm lying to you, but I promise you that I have friends. They just don't go to school here. What are their names? Seems a bit personal to give you, but, uh... Oh, shit, what are good names? Uh... uh, (laughs) They also live in Canada. (laughs) They live in Canada. You wouldn't know them. (laughs) Uh, There are uh, three uh, guys in one of the... Probably whatever town is closest to New Haven that's, like, near enough that they wouldn't go to school here. If they did okay. go to school. And because this is a private school, they could also just go to uh, one of the public schools. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Michael. Cedric. Uh, there's also a Jeremy, but I have made it very clear uh, that we should probably call him by his middle name to just avoid the confusion. So they don't go to school here. They go to other schools. Do you see them often? I try to, at least once or twice a week, if I can do that. That's good. That's that's good. Well, we want to make sure that you're comfortable here, and that you feel like coming here every day can be a good, positive experience. You're going to be spending four years here, and I know that three of them are nearly over, but if you can make the rest of your junior year and your senior year the best that it can be, then... I think that we can put you on the right track for college. Have you have you thought about any colleges? Uh, in the area, not particularly. Uh, I would like to maybe uh, try to go a few states out, see what the rest of at least America is like to some degree. I've spent my entire life here, uh, so I feel like I've seen everything that New Haven has to offer on occasions. Though I've been proven wrong before. Okay, okay, so you do have goals. Uh, Do you know what you would like to study, or what sort of career you'd like to have? Uh, uh, well, if you would have asked me this when I was, uh, quite a few years younger, I probably would have said art. Uh, but... Art can be very fulfilling. Uh, it has some unfortunate memories attached to it. What do you mean unfortunate memories my my dad was a uh fairly uh talented painter and he left so art sort of bears the uh bears the burden of of that for me i suppose ah i see okay uh of course that's understandable do you feel like you have any other creative outlets whether it be music or dancing or that sort of thing yes I have a creative outlet, yes. I'm fairly good at dancing. Alright, so you're a dancer. That's a good thing. Uh, would you call that one of your coping mechanisms? I suppose in some ways. It's good to just not think about things for a while and lose myself in that every now and again. Alright, very good. Well, Jeremy, I will tell you that one of the reasons that I called you into my office today was because your family wanted to have a meeting with us and with you just to make sure that everything was going as it should. Like I said, you've had some difficulties in your life. We're all here for you, and we want you. We want to make sure that everything's going smoothly. Was it my family as a whole or someone in particular in the family? Because I cannot imagine uh, Uncle Virgil... Wanting this to happen. (laughs) My secretary got the call. I don't think she wrote down a name, though, but we can ask that when they all get here later today. They're all going to be here today. Terrific. Yes. Yes. I have a few more questions to ask, but I need to step out real fast. Would you like anything? Maybe I can get you a soda or something. I can grab you something from the cafeteria. Uh, Water would be just fine. Wonderful. Wonderful. 
I'll get that for you. He gets up and walks towards the door. And as he does, he walks through the toddler. Uh, As he exits the room, the toddler turns to you and smiles before disappearing entirely. And... And uh, (laughs) let's see what's going on at uh, Casa Rookwood. Um, You you all, I will say, uh, did not call the school, um, but you will be getting a call at some point. Um, Okay, so uh, let's start with Alistair. Alistair, um, how have you been dealing with your, your shock from a couple days ago? Um, not quite well. Um, I've been, uh, rather reclusive, even more so than usual. Um, I'm trying to avoid anyone as I'm trying to figure out exactly what happened. I have my suspicions. I believe that it was either Jeremy or Virgil who have, uh, (laughs) dosed me with a heavy concentration of something. LSD, most likely. I'm trying to imagine a way to prove it before I confront them, because I know that it will cause a good bit of inner turmoil in the family if I bring out an accusation early. So um, so right now you're on the track of, I have definitely been drugged, and I just need to uh, to find a way to, uh, to prove that. Okay. Uh, have you been doing anything in particular these past couple days? I imagine, uh, wh- what days of the week have they been? Um, so that happened Saturday night, and today is Monday. Okay. Um, I imagine Alistair probably didn't do too much on Sunday. He probably, excuse me, kept more to himself. Just kind of stayed in his room, said he's very busy with work, just very dismissive to everyone. On Monday... He while um, JC is in school, he's probably going to go to JC's room and uh, search around for drugs. <laughs> oh, I like it. Okay, that's a breach uh, of my privacy. <laughs> <laughs> I... Why? Yes, yes, it is. Okay. Uh, so, um, JC, what what does your room look like? What's all is in there? Uh, it's probably like a, a fairly. Uh, uh, a humble room. There's not a whole lot of things in there. It's ceiling to floor John Lennon posters. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the Beatles. <laughs> um, but yeah, probably just like uh, a twin size bed, uh, a dresser with uh, fairly nice clothes in it. There's a desk with like uh, a couple of notebooks, some of them schoolwork, uh, others of them just like. Uh, uh, effectively a sketchbook that he gets like a few pages into and never goes back to it uh but it's it's a pretty simple room uh there there probably i imagine that uh when when rooms were picked and whatnot there's a door that connects for when uh like to another room for when jc and his twin wanted to like just hang out uh but the door has uh since not been used Probably just, like, something pushed in front of it. It's pretty nice. Is it, There's a lava lamp now. It's pretty nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a lava lamp. That's true. It's probably off right now. <laughs> okay, so um, Virgil searches through the room and presumably doesn't find anything. Um, Alistair searches through the room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are Gail and Penny up to right now? Gail is probably still doing, like, you know, housework stuff. How early in the morning is it? Um, I would say it's probably around, like, 9 o'clock or so. Um, I'm probably putting the finishing touches on my outfit for work. Okay. Yeah, so Penny is getting ready for work. Gail is going around and cleaning the house. Not quite the Sunday deep cleaning, I'm sure. No. But, um, just making sure that everything is nice and tidy. Um, what is Virgil doing? Um, Virgil is in his lab as he is usually working on one project or another. Um, I would imagine in the, on this particular day, um, uh, I could see him perhaps adding a newly created instrument to his lightning rod that's on the house. So he's like leaning out of one of the attic windows 
<laughs> just, just where we uh, want Uncle Virgil uh, to be. To disassemble, yeah, disassemble uh, the the rod, uh, add the component, and put it back up. Okay. Um. So during Gail's um cleaning routine, does she come across uh Alistair in Jeremy's room going through the things, or is like he trying to hide it? Um, I'll kind of like let you guys decide what the details of that are. That sounds like drama. Yeah, I think yeah. it would be fun to assemble in and and see what's uh what this rustling in my son's room is when he's very obviously at school. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Alistair is making no effort to hide what he's doing really okay awesome so uh during gail's cleaning she comes in on um alistair just sort of tearing apart jeremy's room uh she she knocks on the door frame and she pokes her head in and she sees alistair and she's like dear what are you doing um alistair will kind of do a stand bolt upright and say um oh hello love um, I was simply looking for something I might have, uh, misplaced. In Jeremy's room? Yes. Is that a problem? No, not at all. I just, I am more concerned that he is playing some kind of prank and stole something from you. You know how he is. Oh, yes, I do know. I do quite know how he is, dear. Yes. And, um, that is, uh, perhaps part of what I'm doing. What exactly are you looking for? All right, come in, close the door. Uh, and she looks confused and looks down the hallways to make sure Penny or Virgil isn't, like, roaming around. Uh, and she quickly comes in and closes the door very gently. Um, Alistair's gonna whisper to you, I think I've been drugged. What? She, like, is very appalled looking. <laughs> Gail, Gail, Gail. No. Do not bring attention to this, please. I, I think that... Jeremy may have uh, given me a bit of something uh, in Saturday night's dinner, and I just need to know what it was and if he still has it. Why do you think you were drugged? What happened? I, I did not want to trouble you with this, but uh, when I excused myself after dinner, um, I tripped, as the children say. <laughs> You <laughs> fell going up the stairs? No, I, I, I hallucinated, dear. I saw things that weren't there. You, you hallucinated? What did you see? It, it was so fast, and it, it made no sense. I saw uh, this, these women on broomsticks, and this man turn into a tree, and it, it was so bizarre. None of it made any bit of sense to me, and I, I think it was... I, I, I don't know exactly. I'm trying to find out. If you happen to uh, come across anything here, that would be... Please let me know. So you think you saw a, a gentleman turn into a tree inside of our home? I didn't say anything about it being inside of the home. I just said I saw it. So, at this point, Gail... After looking appalled as you describe what you saw, uh, suddenly has the sigh of relief. Dear, you must have just been seeing shadows outside. That's nothing to worry about. It wasn't shadows outside. I know what I saw, Gale. You're not playing any sort of mind game with me. I know what I saw. I'm not trying to play a mind game with you, dear. I'm saying you must be mistaken. I I quite don't think I am mistaken. It wasn't shadows outside. I ate something that had some drugs that the boy got from school, or perhaps from your insane uncle, and I hallucinated, and I came to in my office. If it was in the food, then why are you the only one who hallucinated? I was the one who prepared I don't all of know. That. One of them must have snuck it in. They never touched any of the food before it hit the table. <sighs> Damn it, you, you, maybe you didn't see. Uh, Gail, Gail, you see on Jeremy's desk um, a paper that kind of catches your eye because it has, um, well, actually, Alistair, what, what have you been writing about most recently with your uh, Rookwood uh, book? Bookwood, if you will. 
<laughs> Million dollar title right there. Yeah. Um, Trademark. Yeah. I, I would imagine lately, I've probably been actually writing a lot more about Jeremy. Okay. So, um, Gail, you notice the, the piece of paper, it has Jeremy's name on it. So at first you think, oh, this is just something from school. But as you're reading it, you see it's more of like a psychological profile of Jeremy. Um, if you're scanning the page, though, it doesn't seem to be complete. It seems to be one page um, of many, but only the one page is there. And you can't quite make out what it's for. Uh, Alistair, are your notes typeset or handwritten? It would be typeset. Okay. Typeset. Um, so I pick it up. <laughs> And start reading it closer, and as I'm seeing, there's a, uh, it's not filled out. I kind of just, like, fold it up and, and, and take it with me for, for later uh, perusing. What, was that something from his school? I don't know. Uh, perhaps, maybe he forgot homework. You know how absent-minded he can be sometimes. Yes, well, I believe it's about time that you and, that uh, your son and I uh, had a, another sit-down. Perhaps we need to uh, go through exactly what his problems have been as of late and why he would try to do something to me like that. And as if on cue, the phone rings. I'm just at school, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Quick question. Before uh, the phone rings, would it be uh, would it be normal that outside of JC's room there would be a crow or raven seeing this exchange? Um, I think that Gail closed the door, but if you would like to have um, a crow outside the window. Yeah, if you want to have like a crow outside the window, that's kind of like keeping an eye on things. Um, yeah, I think that that would be in line with what you've been up to uh, with, you know, other things that have been going on in the house. So, yeah, I think that you, you kind of have an idea of uh, what's going on. They're, they're fighting about Jeremy. Alistair thinks he saw something. He thinks Jeremy may have been involved. And they're definitely searching Jeremy's room. Yeah, they're definitely searching Jeremy's room. That you know for sure. There could have been worse options. They could have been sleeping with each other in Jeremy's room. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That would have been a lot worse. <laughs> I would have had a new room very shortly after that. <laughs> plenty bed, of rooms in the house, it's room. fine. New lava lamp, that poor lava lamp would have been scarred for life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you, you kind of get an idea of what's going on. Um, and then the phone rings. I, I don't know if Jeremy would have a phone in his room, but Gail, here's the closest phone ring. Yeah, there's with it being an old house, there's probably only maybe one or two in the house and there's probably there might be like an upstairs hallway yeah there. and then a kitchen phone and yeah i'm sure that like worst case scenario you know uh virgil has messed with the electrical of the house electrical outlets of the house enough that you could have a phone somewhere nearby <laughs> yeah just what we need mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a wealthy house in the 70s we probably have um well if nobody else is gonna go for it i guess i am <laughs> Unless I was in the kitchen and picked that up, but it's... Yeah. Uh, whoever wants to can pick up the phone. Yeah, if you want to pick up the phone, go for it. Virgil will be oblivious. He does not answer <laughs> the phone. <laughs> I don't that talk to people. Right. <laughs> All right, I'll pick up the kitchen phone um, as if I was just about to walk out of the door. Okay, so yeah, the phone rings. Penny picks it up, um, and she says hello. Um, and then... Uh, a voice on the other line says, Hello, am I speaking to the lady of the house? Well, you're speaking to one of them. Uh, is this uh, Mrs. Gail Lavelle? <laughs> she would love to hear you say that. No, this is her sister. Who is this? Uh, hi, I'm calling from Jeremy's school. Uh, the counselor would like to have a meeting with the family and Jeremy this afternoon. So, Gail... Everyone in the household. Everyone in the household. Okay. What time were you thinking? Well, we can do it at your earliest convenience. Uh, if anyone in the household works, we could say maybe uh, three o'clock or so. 
Um, I could probably make that work. What is this regarding again? I'm sorry. The counselor just would like to talk to Jeremy's family uh, to discuss some issues he's having with school. He's having issues at school? Uh, well, you can find out more during the meeting. Okay, I will pass the message along to the family. Thank you very much, and we will see you at three o'clock. Okay. See you then, and I hang up the phone and immediately shout for Gail. So Gail (laughs) hears uh, Gail coming from uh, the kitchen. She very grumpily sighs and and looks at Alistair. Uh, Make sure you put everything back so it doesn't look like we've been in here. Yes, yes, I will, dear. Gail is an expert at that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then she uh, heads out to, to go down to see Penny. You called for me? Yeah, uh, the phone? It was JC's school. What? Yeah, they called saying they want a meeting with the family. Why? They didn't say. They said we'd find out more. And they said they wanted the whole family. Everybody in the household. Well, that doesn't make sense. Why would they want to talk to anybody other than me and Alistair? I don't know. She said the whole family. (sighs) When? Today at three. Today at three? Yes. I'm probably just going to call into the office and tell them I'm not coming in today because I'll get nothing done at this rate. (sighs) Fine. Do whatever you please. I was going to anyway. I'll go tell Uncle Verge so he's with it. When the time comes. Sure, whatever you want, <laughs> as long as I don't have to talk to that old man. Uh, alrighty then. Ow. <laughs> okay, I um, make up Uncle Virgil. I don't know, does he prefer coffee or tea? His drink of choice. Um, I would, I would say tea. I'll make a cup of tea and head up to Uncle Virgil's room. Leaving my snotty sister to deal sure. with her husband. <laughs> <laughs> I love Penny so much. <laughs> I, I, I would imagine you walk into his workshop with him hanging halfway out the window. Uncle Virgil, what are you doing? Oh, Penelope, um, I am um, simply installing a new fixture to my, uh, my lightning rod. I set the tea on the closest clear enough space and rush to him trying to get him to come back inside. I'm you could have I'm fine. I'm You could have asked somebody else to help you. I am perfectly capable of um of of handling it myself. You looked like you were perfectly capable of falling out the window. And what are we gonna do if you did fall? Then you'd leave this place to Gail. <laughs> she would enjoy that one. Ouch my feelings <laughs> You just ducked in my room. You don't get to be happy right now. <laughs> There's so much shade <laughs> through all of the house. He'd probably let Alistair have his way, way and, you know, what do you think he'd do with all of your stuff, Uncle Verge? I would imagine he wouldn't have any idea of what to do with it. It'd probably all go in the trash. And a terrible waste that would be. I agree. It would be waste. So what brings you up here, Penelope, dear? Well, besides a cup of tea, um, JC's school called. They want to meet the whole family at three. Did they say what for? Apparently he's having some issues. I didn't tell Gail that, thought I'd get her too worked up. But, uh, they said we'd know more at three. Virgil, like, rolls his eyes super hard and kind of, like, pinches the bridge of his nose for a second. <sighs> Institutional education is a scourge. <laughs> I suppose I will not be able to um, decline this invitation. She was pretty adamant, and I assume JC talks about you, so she'll know if you're not there. <sighs> All right. Then, um, then perhaps we should see what this joke is about, then. Yeah. I mean, we have a few hours, so we have to be there. So, do you need help with your thingamajig no i was just finishing it up actually all right well but thank you for offering no more hanging out of windows okay uncle verge i cannot make that promise here 
I laughed at myself and I had to the rickery to ask one of my little <laughs> friends if they will keep an eye on Uncle Verge and alert me if he's in, in danger from now on. <laughs> um, they they certainly do. And uh, as Virgil is is hanging out the window, he sees crows, uh, you know, on the edge of the roof, just sort of like staring down, looking at him. Not one, mm. several. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they're a pretty common sight, and and that Virgil also knows what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would be very aware of it if anyone in that. Yeah. So does Gail run straight to Alistair? <laughs> uh, no. While Gail is alone, <laughs> she wants to take a, a closer peek at the uh, psych thing. Mm. At the what? At the uh, the psych note that I found in Jeremy's room. Yeah. Um. What is the gist of what uh, Alistair has been uh, has been writing about Jeremy? I would say that, excuse me, um, he's been writing about Jeremy's sort of loneliness, um, tendencies to push everyone away, including his own mother, um, trying to work out exactly how he fits into the family psych, psychodynamic and uh, basically, Alistair's big theory, and I don't know if it's, it's probably not going to be super reflected in this page, mm -hmm. is that there's like a group psychosis going on here. Um, okay. That there is something that's afflicting basically every single person in this house, and he's trying to figure out exactly how and why this is happening. Okay, yeah. Um, she doesn't get that last part from this page, but she definitely gets that um, it's about how does jeremy fit in like what is his psychological profile um it speculates that he's very lonely and um there's you know something larger going on but gail isn't you know quite able to figure out what that is because it's only one page right uh so reading that she uh to anybody who happens to be peeking in if there are any birds watching her or or what have you uh, mm -hmm. she gets more grumpy the more words she reads off of this paper, and she very grumpily, uh, crumples the paper up and tosses it in a, in a wastebasket that's nearby, and she kind of mumbles to herself, nobody knows my son better than me, why is anybody writing anything like this? <laughs> she doesn't know that it's <laughs> Alistair's, does she? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's found <laughs> a page in his room. No, Gail's under the assumption that this is something that he must be must have received from school especially after getting the uh the phone call today yeah yeah that's a reasonable thing to uh to deduce from that uh so gail crumples up this paper uh what happens next Hello listeners, I am your chronicler and host Fiona L.F. Kelly. If you've listened since episode zero or episode one, thank you so much for sticking with us. I'm so pleased with the response that we've received so far. You guys seem to be having as much fun listening as we've had playing. You can continue to follow the Rookwoods on their adventure on this podcast with new episodes every Wednesday until this season concludes on July 15th. We won't be returning to this game, but subsequent Fable seasons will focus on different games with new cast, characters, games, and settings. Plans for season two are already in the works, so stay tuned for more information. Be sure to follow us on social media to get all of the latest episodes and information. You can find us on Facebook by searching Fables Around the Table or at Table Fables Podcast. We're on Instagram as at Table Fables Podcast and Twitter as at Table Fables Pod. And of course, our cast has a ton of projects that you should check out. Nick and I are part of Project Derailed. You can find a lot of nerdy goodness on projectderailed.com and you can find us on the Spelljammer-inspired actual play podcast Tales of the Voidfarer. You can find Annie Fables own Penny Rookwood on the Instagram account at Two Bookish Babes, which is soon to be a young adult literature podcast. Chelsea, who plays Gail Rookwood, runs an Etsy shop with a dear friend of ours. You can buy their gaming-inspired candles at, at etsy.com slash shop slash plot kindling candles or follow them on social media at Candles Plot. I will say that during the editing of this, I have been burning their candle Zephyr, and I highly recommend it.
Garrett, our only non-Rookwood, Alistair LaVale is part of the band Northern Weather. You can find them at northernweather.bandcamp.com or on Facebook as northernweather-ohio. And finally, my producer Tom and I are part of the Project Derailed podcast, Big Streaming Pile. It's a podcast where we talk about bad movies on streaming services. You can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts and find us on Facebook under Big Streaming Pile Podcast or Twitter at Big Stream Pile. And of course, thank you to Tom for not only composing and recording our theme song, but for also serving as our producer and co-writer. This episode's special guest is one of my very best friends, Tanner Bippins. Tanner plays Dr. Howe, and I am eternally grateful to him for taking a break from studying for his candidacy exams to record for us for the show. You can also find Tanner on Tales of the Voidfarer, where he plays our beloved wizard Marco Astorio. And finally, a huge thank you to Nerdy Pup Games, Brian Bin, and Michael Addison for allowing us to run the Curse of the House of Rookwood for the first season of our podcast. They are the creative minds behind Rookwood, and without them, we wouldn't be able to bring our game to you. And now it's time to get back to the show. Uh, she heads upstairs back to JC's room to let Alistair know uh, what happened. So she um, opens the door and, like, slips in and starts rearranging things to make it look like Alistair was never in this room to begin with. Um, I said I was going to get it. I know. I just wanted to help uh, the school called. Oh? Is everything alright? I don't know. Um, they want the entire household to meet at the school so that we can meet with Jeremy and a counselor. Is that typical? Not in my experience. I am... can't wait to see what another person has to tell me about my child. Yes, should be enlightening, I imagine. I can't begin to imagine. <laughs> Alright, well, I'll, uh... I'll fix myself up and get ready. Can, dear, can you do me a favor, though? Yes. We need to bring Uncle Virgil with us. Can you, um, go ask him to make himself look more presentable than he does on a daily basis? Oh, fantastic. I'm sure the school will love to see, uh, Virgil's influence. Yeah, that's what I'm concerned about. I will, I will go up there and tell him to keep his bloody mouth shut. That I will do. Thank you, dear. Of course. <laughs> and I go up to Virgil's lab slash room. Mm -hmm. All right, what's Virgil doing? Is he still hanging out the window? Uh, <laughs> no, Virgil's no longer hanging out the window. Uh, uh, Virgil is now back to working on uh, the Faraday cage he was working on when um, uh, he spoke to JC just a couple days before, which is kind of on his central workbench. Um, it's a large mesh like metal mesh looking cage. Um, and uh, he's in the process of working on that when Alistair arrives. Yeah. Alistair doesn't even knock. He just comes in. <laughs> wow. Hey, yo, what up? Listen, listen, I don't know what it is you're working on, but you need to stop. We have a meeting to go to. Yes. Um, Penelope informed me. Um, it is not until three, is it not? Correct, but I assumed you might uh, take some time to prepare to uh, get yourself looking like a, a human being again. I'm s sorry, Alistair. Do you, do you have any issue with my appearance? Do I have an issue with your appearance? Not exactly. Uh, just about everything other than your appearance. But uh, my wife seems to think that you need to look presentable for this. Um, so you're going to do that for her. And for me, when you get to the school, you're going to... Um, Allow me to do the talking and uh, sit there and agree. I, so sorry. I don't, I don't understand why you feel that uh, you are in any position to tell me what to do, Alistair. And as for my appearance, you're not looking very good yourself at the moment. Are you sleeping well? Um, you, you see Alistair do kind of like a neck twitch. Um, just kind of like shrug a shoulder and look frazzled at that and say, um, yes, yes, I'm going to take a shower quite soon. Worry about yourself a bit before me. Well, I shall. Um, it, if, if you would be so kind, um, I'll finish up here in a moment, but, uh, and take a shower. 
but um, could you simply help this old man lift this uh, rather large, cum- cumbersome cage back over to its shelf for me, so that I might properly go prepare for our meeting? Is this going to electrocute me or something? No, there's no. It's there's no power rigged to it. There are no wires. It is fine. Fine, very well. And Alistair will will go to help Virgil. Yeah, Virgil will get on one side of it. And when Alistair touches it, when they're connected through the um, conductive material, um, I would like to use my ability uh, to discern his thoughts and emotion. So I'll do two weird dice and a guile dice. Okay, um, you can try this. Uh, If you succeed and get a success on your dice, then you are able to do it. it, because you're rolling so many dice, though, so if you roll doubles, you also gain the risk of uh, gaining a mark of your curse and losing one of the dice that you roll. And you can choose from what. Uh, so you basically have to declare if you're rolling for Bron, Guile, or Weird. Um, you need to roll three dice from that pool, and then you need to, if you roll doubles, drop one of the dice that you rolled. So, like, if you roll two Guile dice and one Weird dice and roll doubles, you would have to choose, do you want to lose weird dice or guile dice? And then you can earn those back uh, through various things on your character sheet. You got it. Okay. So I will then roll. And I did, in fact, roll doubles. Okay, so you choose. <laughs> um, you Oh, you lose a die and gain a mark. That's exciting. Oh, no. Not in front of Alistair. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is a fun complication. <laughs> oh god and right before we go to school too this is a disaster <laughs> i'll give you a second so you have uh you already have two um you already have two uh marks correct i uh i do okay so you're going to want to choose a third mark right now and i will give you a second to look through and pick which one you want um did you write out what yours were yeah um my current marks are I have the uh the static um static touch in Lichtenberg scars mm-hmm. already like it looks like I've been electrocuted mm-hmm. at one point um and the uh the uh the mark that I manifest now is the static hair okay so because you rolled two fives uh you hit above the four and you're able to buy off your reward and successfully uh reach into Alistair's mind so you use your power and it super works. So you're trying to um you're trying to read his thoughts, yes? I am. Uh his it's his thoughts and uh emotions. Okay. So um what are Alistair's thoughts and emotions right now? Um I would say Alistair's emotions right now are irritated. Um he's trying to rush things along here real quick. Um but he's also concerned. He's concerned that Jeremy has said something that may disrupt his work. He's concerned that Gale, that something might send Gale over the edge again today. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, and I'm just gonna, um, uh, uh, is there, is there anything on his mind still about his, uh, uh what he witnessed the other day? Um, I would say it's there somewhere. Yeah. It's probably not in the forefront right now, but it's there somewhere. Um, so yeah, so you see his experience that he had with the, uh, as you, as you reach forward into his mind, you reach into places that you didn't expect to. And you see on Saturday night, how he had this experience with, uh, Elias Rookwood, who you recognized immediately, but I'm sure that you're very surprised to see that Alistair had such a vision. It's as if a giant electric shock goes into the room, and it doesn't hurt you, Alistair, but when you look over to um, to Virgil, his hair has gone just completely out and staticky. It's like he's just, you know, like he's just been shocked, like he's just put a, uh, put a fork into an electrical outlet. Damn it, old man. I said, be careful and make sure that this isn't going to shock me. Think... The, thank God it shocked you, I suppose. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Virgil's reaction, like, he's not reacting in pain or shock or anything. He's just, like, looking at Alistair, and he has kind of this, like, smirk on his face. What? <laughs> You're starting to make discoveries, I see, 
Alistair. I suppose this is makes sense. I don't imagine that um, your wife would have told you much. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you so proud of your education and your knowledge, but so little do you actually know. It was you, wasn't it? You drugged me. Virgil's gonna take a, a couple steps towards him and say, Drugged. I suppose that is a a logical conclusion to leap to. You cling to whatever hypothesis you can, I suppose. Um, did you know you study the brain, do you not? Yes, you quite know I do. Yes. Well, as you quite know, I specialize in the study of electricity. And your... It appears that what you study is merely a symptom of the root cause, because electricity fuels everything. Electricity in your heart makes it tick, and I kind of jab you in the sternum with my finger. And electricity in the brain makes you think, and I kind of flick him in the forehead, and there's a little bit of a spark when it connects, like a, like static shock, like, a, like I've been dragging my feet on the carpet. <laughs> and he's going to say, you know... So little. You study the brain, yet you are clueless to the world around you, Alistair. And I fear that that world is slowly unraveling as you learn the truth. Now, you've asked me to keep my mouth shut when we go to this conference for young J.C., but perhaps it is you, sir, that should be keeping your mouth shut because you truly know so little of what you are speaking of. And Virgil's going to kind of turn and uh, start walking away from Alistair, and he's going to kind of stop and turn over his shoulder and say, Now, if you forgive me, I need to shower, apparently. <laughs> you do that, old man. We will go to the meeting, and then I'm calling the police, and you will go away for the rest of your life. Good day. And Alistair <laughs> turns around and slams the door on his way out. So we are back in the counselor's office. And uh, Jeremy, you have been taking some Rorschach tests. Um, so she pulls out one of the ink blots and shows you. So what does this look like to you? Uh, how serious of an answer do you want? I want the most honest answer. It kind of looks like two penguins, if I'm being honest. Two penguins? Yeah. <laughs> the top parts being heads facing opposite directions. Not quite sure what that is in the middle. Okay, okay. So, do you have any sort of idea what could be in the middle between these two penguins? Uh, I don't know. Maybe like a trophy or something? Maybe a trophy? Yeah. <laughs> and what about this one? Two elephants? And this one? Uh, that looks like... Two people face-to-face, -face, looking at each other. So what sort of relationship do you think these people have? Well, if I had to wager a guess, uh, based on at least what it looks like to me, they don't know each other. They're strangers. Strangers, okay. And just one more, what does this one look like to you? There's a lot going on in this one. <laughs> yeah, this one's a busy one, but there's no wrong answers, okay? So, uh, what do you think? It looks like two people praying. Do the other elements in the picture look like anything in particular? Uh, everything but the blue, I, I guess, kind of looks like birds. I'm not quite sure what the blue behind them could possibly be. And uh, the secretary comes in the room and says, uh, Jeremy's family is here. She puts the ink blots away and she sets Jeremy's file down in front of her. And she gestures to the other seats in the room as the other Rookwoods come in. Please sit down. Virgil will help himself to the uh, the end seat of the conference table across from her. <laughs> Our I move. will sit next to Virgil. Uh, Gail goes in to sit right next to Jeremy. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and she has what Jeremy is very well aware is her her like passive aggressive. I'm fuming inside but everybody else needs to think that i'm not mad <laughs> yeah this, this is this is her public face <laughs> right public face. um alistair goes up to the guidance counselor holds his hand out uh dr laval uh charm to make your acquaintance 
Pleased to meet you. Pleased to meet you. My name's Dr. Hal. Um, if you would just go ahead and have a seat, we can get started with this meeting. Certainly. I've been talking with Jeremy quite a lot today, and I can say that he is a very bright student. He is amazingly gifted, well-spoken, but I think that he has more difficulties than other students in our school. Tragedy has struck your family recently, and I'm so sorry for your loss, but this is always very difficult for children his age. And I was just kind of curious, since you called this meeting, do you have any particular concerns on this front? Well, everyone is here. We can try to talk about our feelings and try to work things out constructively. Virgil, Virgil's going to look at Penny with a confused look on his face. Penny is going to share that look. We were told that you called this meeting. No, no, uh, please forgive me, but we had a message waiting for us this morning that you all were wanting to have a meeting to talk about the things that have been going on with Jeremy recently and actually scheduled a meeting this afternoon. That sounds like something Gail would do. So Gail crosses her hands on the table and, and puts her, her nicest, uh, perfect mom face on. And uh, she looks at the counselor and says, I don't know why you dragged us all down here, but I want to know exactly what you think is wrong with my child. Well, there's nothing wrong with... Then why did you call us all down here? My apologies, but I was told that you were the ones that were interested in this meeting. That's what our records show. Then you've been misinformed. There's nothing wrong with my child. He's perfectly fine. Can we leave now? Now, now, dear... If the counselor wants to speak with us, then perhaps we should let her speak? Yes, per perhaps we should do that, um, Alistair. It, it sounds like you would be the exact person that would call to have this all set up. I did no such thing, old man. I mean, Virgil, I did not call for this meeting to happen. Sorry. We should, uh, we should... I, 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 I imagine this is very stressful for most of us involved in this, but let's not point fingers. We're, we don't want to give the wrong impression to my guidance counselor that we're a broken family. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Jeremy. No, Jeremy. It seems that he's the one implanting ideas into your head. I found that letter in your room. What letter? Um, Alistair stiffens <laughs> in his seat like Alistair has a couple of thoughts, but he's gonna he's gonna let this play out in a minute. <laughs> the letter documenting how lonely and how much trouble you're having uh, defining your role within our family. I never got a letter that said that. <laughs> what? Do you think that Jeremy is having trouble finding a role in your family? No, of course not. Well then, who does? Now, I think that we need to think about this again. It would seem that we are here for a reason. And again, we need to talk. We need to talk things out. As you say, Penny's going to glare at Alistair and say, I think it's quite obvious what JC's role in the family is. He's a son. He's a nephew. He's a grandnephew. He's the person we care for obviously we all care that's why we're in this room as she gives another pointed look at alistair i don't think anyone was doubting that i hope but, not <laughs> definitely not um i don't think there's issues i'd be very interested to see where you got that paper sister well it's in the garbage at home now well, we here at the school like to keep track of the students that have experienced tragedies. Jeremy is not very old, and he's already experienced an abandonment by a father and a twin sibling. That would be difficult for anyone, but especially for those at his age. I think that even if there is some confusion about who called us, that this can be something that is really beneficial for Jeremy. Are you trying to imply I'm not taking care of my son? Of course not. I just think that any family can benefit from something like this, especially ones who have experienced these sorts of things. Uh, it's, there, there is, uh, I guess kind of, kind of similar to, to how Gail has, like, 
uh, a public sort of face. Jeremy also has sort of developed one. So it's just, it's a smile and the eyes are just like kind of cold. Like it's, it's a, just a small smile that doesn't reach the eyes as he's just sort of uh, taking a lot of this in and being like, this is, this is, uh, this is good for later, I guess. <laughs> this, this will be something. I don't know what yet, but it'll be something. And he seems to enjoy hanging out with his friends, Cedric and Michael. Uh, d- d- do you know them? Do you as a family enjoy having them around the house? Do they come over often? The fact, fact check. Has JC ever brought them around the house? No. Probably not. No. Has, has he ever mentioned any of them to anyone? He's probably at least, uh, if, uh, specifically for Penny, if Penny's ever asked, like, where he's going, it's just, I'm, I'm gonna go hang out with some friends. Okay. But def- definitely not to Gale. No. <laughs> this is the first I'm hearing about them. I mean, he goes and hangs out with them a couple times a week. Well, then there seems like there are some lines of communication that can be opened up to make everyone feel more welcome and to be better able to get their points across. So everyone can know about everyone else's lives. I think that is a rather good idea. Um, I myself am a uh, am a licensed uh, psychologist and... Uh, have been trying to implement some different, uh, shall we say, modes of helping, uh, especially in young Jeremy's life, to make him feel a bit more included in the family. What sorts of things have you been trying, if I may ask? Uh, He and I have been uh, talking to him and trying to uh, sort out his emotions. I've tried a, a bit of a, a cognitive behavioral approach. Penny is giving a look like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, Virgil has a smug look on his fa- face. Gail keeps the smile, but it is very obvious the longer that this goes out, the more enraged and just infuriated <laughs> she is about this entire situation. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that this confusion may have had an effect on everyone here, but I do think that this sort of thing is very useful for Jeremy, and it could even perhaps be useful for the whole family. I can recommend you all to a trusted family psychologist. I think that can... I think this could be really beneficial to have a couple of meetings with them moving forward. Gail slams her hands down on the table and stands up. I don't need you to tell me how to raise my child. Uh, the counselor kind of jumps at that. So if you need to, if you want to imply that I am not taking care of my family the way I should be, that's good on you. But I am not going to stand here and listen to you tell me about it. I, I, I didn't mean to imply that you were doing a poor job raising your child. I just mean... No, but... You sit here and tell me about all of the problems he apparently has. I am simply reporting what I have observed. That is my job here at this school. There's nothing wrong with my kid. Well, of course there's not something wrong. I did not imply that there was anything wrong in this situation. But everyone can seriously benefit from some sort of intervention at times. It seems that Jeremy has been having a few social problems at school... As I've said, he's experienced some abandonment, and even now, communication seems to be an issue. It's not clear who among you even called this meeting in the first place. Love, perhaps it would be best if we sorted this out at home, hmm? You don't have to decide anything today. Just think about some things, and think about what might be best for Jeremy. Here, this is the card to the family psychologist that I know. Uh, Take it. And then you can decide if you want to follow up on it. Uh, Virgil's going to speak up and say, Now, Alistair, um, are you sure you wouldn't want to take the opportunity uh, that we are here with another esteemed counselor to talk about the hallucinations that you claim to be seeing oh at home? Oh, my God. He, sa- he says, <laughs> Alistair, he says Alistair is going to give Virgil the best death look that he possibly can muster up. Uh, the counselor definitely raises an eyebrow at that. 
Gail also whips it, around it, to look at him. <laughs> it it was nothing. Bow, bow, uh, bow, bow. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was nothing. Uh, uh, Gail's and uh, Penelope's dear uncle down here likes to uh, play some rather cruel tricks sometimes. Um, but it, it is something that I've uh, since gotten over. Nothing, uh, nothing to be concerned of. I see. And do you often experience these things? Uh, the, the hallucinations or the cruel tricks? Uh, the hallucinations, <laughs> no. Uh, Virgil and his um, rather crude way of doing things, that is uh, an oft uh, experience, yes. So, Gale grabs Jeremy, just like, up, <laughs> and starts dragging him out of the room. <laughs> We're done here! <laughs> As as she just pulls him out, just we're we're done, no more. Um, as Gail pulls Jeremy out of the room, and the rest of the family follows, I assume shortly thereafter. Um, Gail and Jeremy see someone familiar standing in front of them, a man, and they can't quite place where they've seen him before, but something about him is, is very familiar, and uh, he smiles and beckons for you to follow <laughs> what do you think jeremy, Jer? <laughs> will, jeremy will just like i guess like shake out of his mother's grasp and not really saying anything and just mostly wanting to ideally get away from the situation even if nobody else follows him is just going along with it yeah sure i'll, I'll follow this strange but familiar man why not <laughs> and then gail follows after jc all right uh does everyone else follow as well yeah, as I follow, I assume, I think I would be walking next to Virgil and I would have muttered under my breath, so do you think the hallucination has anything to do with why he and Gail were snooping in JC's rooms this morning? Well, that's the first I'm hearing of that. Well, I haven't had time to talk to you about it. <laughs> well, perhaps, um, speaking with Elsa about it, he seems to think that um, perhaps that he was drugged. And was he? Not by me. <laughs> but I would venture a guess that he was not. You see, I, I've received some rather specific insight, and he witnessed a lot of peculiar details about our family history. Hmm. I'm going to kind of smirk and enjoy where this might be going as I follow my sister and JC. Yeah, and they are um, following the man who feels very familiar to them. Um, he opens a door and walks down a set of stairs. As you walk down with him, it starts getting very warm and humid, and you realize that you're in the boiler room. Um, so you walk into there, and you see that there are other people in a room sta standing in a semicircle around a group of objects. Um, the members of the well, Alistair will recognize standing in the middle is uh, Elias with his great big uh, branch antlers and then other members of the family will recognize from portraits that these are all of your relatives. There's Elias, there's uh, a member who's, or there's someone who's not a Rookwood, uh, Timothy Morris, who Gail and uh, everyone except Alistair, I think, would recognize as Gail's last partner. There's Harlan Rookwood, Virgil's father, who only Virgil would know, but I'm sure that others have seen portraits of him. Although in many of these portraits, um, he's looking into a mirror, but now he just looks straight at you. There's um, there's also a haze among the group, a figure that you can't quite make out. Um, there's a man who's who's burning, who through the ashes that cover his face, you can make out as Thomas Rookwood. Um, there is your sister Virgil emerging from a fog. There's the original Penelope Rookwood with her hair braided and covering her almost completely. And then there's Jamie Rookwood, Jeremy's twin brother standing among the group as well and then there's felicity rookwood at the very end covered in crows and the man who you followed joins them he's standing in the semicircle as well um the objects in the middle of them uh 
Penny, what is something from your collection with your father? One of your shiny little trinkets. Um, he would have brought me a small, uh, silver smoking box. Okay. So the smoking box is there. Um, on the finest china platter that you have, there is, uh, there is a turkey totally eaten and, uh, you know, eaten horribly. There's bones all over it. Um, Virgil, have you, have you kept any trophies from your past monster hunting escapades or do you have any sort of supernatural artifacts? Um, I Honestly, I don't think so because Virgil was never really one for the monster hunting specifically. Um, but he may have plenty of trinkets from his world travels um, in meeting with and speaking to various experts in um, the field of electroengineering and and uh, and. That okay, sort of thing. so um, um, so what is uh, then one of those things? Probably a uh, uh, um. Uh, a book that he would have received um, from perhaps meeting with one of the esteemed professors of some uh, foreign uh, college or university. Okay, so he sees that. And then um, in the middle of all the objects is a mirror, and the mirror is labeled Jeremy. Um, there's also more scattered papers that you all can see um, different uh different names of the family members who are in the house now virgil penny gale and these are more pages of some of alistair's notes and then in the middle or just below the mirror in the middle of all of this there is a book that none of you have ever seen before the title on the book is the ties that bind a history of rookwood family ghosts and curses and the author is michael rookwood a name that none of you recognize and I think that we'll end it there for now. Introducing Tales of the Voidfarer. Join the spacefaring adventures of a group of misfits in this D&D 5th edition podcast inspired by the 2nd edition setting, Spelljammer. My name's Marco Astorio. My character is a gif Yankee. My character is a doar. Adorable little penguin people. You're Ravnus, right? Yes. I, 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 and you are? I, it's a pleasure to meet you. My name's Lugby Cumble. My name is Captain Valeria Rain, and welcome aboard the Voidfarer. Luckbeak, Ravnus, come on! <laughs> There's so much to see over here! Catch new episodes of Tales of the Voidfarer every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast fix. <laughs> that's funny. Wait, did you just hmm? say that's funny and not laugh, Ravnus? We really have to work on your social skills. <laughs> Projectderailed.com